Welcome to the podcast. I'm talking to another Patrick, who um, a man I've known. He won't say how long ago he met Patrick, but uh, <laughs> he looked. Well, we, let's just say that we both, had hair. we both had hair. <laughs> uh, although I have to say, I think uh, I think you're looking better than I do, Patrick. So Patrick Lopez, uh, industry expert, and um, we're just also just talking about uh, Patrick's in Toronto, and uh, it's getting dark here. It's getting dark here in Dublin too. So. More, more similarities between us. Yeah. So, yeah, probably we're just talking about like, I'll, I'll do a devil's advocate on this. So, Patrick's an expert in 5G and all that that means in terms of the possibilities for operators and for the network. We were talking a bit about the radio intelligent controller, Rick. So, Patrick, do you think the RIC is the key to unlocking the value in 5G? Maybe step back a bit and see what you think the value of 5G is for operators. Well, I'll start by saying what it's not. Okay. Uh, the, the value of 5G is not just more speed. It's not just 4G plus. Because um, let's face it, nobody's ready to pay more for that. Um, and that's what most operators have found out basically, I mean, having just the 5G logo, uh, I mean, I have a 4G and a 5G device and most of the time I don't see the difference in terms of experience, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so there, that that's the promise of 5G originally was you're going to be able to create connectivity services that are going to be different uh, for different devices, uh, different verticals, uh, different use case. Um, and then another promise of 5G is that you're going to have like all sorts of new experience, you know, like uh, augmented uh, reality, um, self-driving cars and drones and all these kind of things. So we start to see a little bit of those new devices and the new use case emerge. Mm -hmm. But by and large, uh, the connectivity aspects remain the same. Um, and I pay the same thing as my neighbor and my son and irrespective of what I do with my phone, you know? Right. So uh, that part of the promise of 5G hasn't been fulfilled. Um, and the reason is to fulfill that part, to create basically connectivity experience that are going to be different for your printer versus for an autonomous uh, car versus for a robot in a factory floor, uh, you need to be able to control the connectivity end to end. Right. Uh, and, and you need to have a technology like slicing. Uh, and in order to have slicing, you need to have slicing end to end. So it has to be in the core, it has to be in the transport, and it has to be in the access. Uh, now, you need a core, a packet core that is standalone. Uh, and we're seeing those being rolled out little by little. Uh, you need the right settings in the transport, um, and that's happening. The standards are there, and the product in the transport uh, are there and allow that. Uh, but the RAN, uh, the access on the radio side, that was not implemented until now. Uh, and that's what the RIC uh, brings to the table. That's one of the things that we bring to the table. It's not the only thing, but one of the things that RIC brings to the table is basically in a multi-vendor environment, being able to set very precise uh, connectivity settings for each device, uh, for each geographical zone, uh, for each uh, profile, uh, for each enterprise. 
Um, and that was that's one of the pieces that is missing in order to create those connectivity experiments I was mentioning. Okay, yeah. well, that's really interesting. Um, just the concept of slicing, I mean, is it not uh, just reserve bandwidth? Or is, is there something more to it? And how small or how big this, will the slice be? I mean, is it is it not just sort of like a, um, an IP window into a certain set of devices? Maybe that's a naive way of putting it, Patrick. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, us all geezers in telecom, uh, we've seen uh, a lot of different generations, right? And we know that in telecoms, we try or we like to do things a little differently. And the reality is that I mean, slicing exists in a lot of other different technologies. It's not called slicing, but it works the same way. I mean, if you have a cloud service today, you can have quality of service uh, parameters. Um, you can create specific connectivity settings for different kind of services. Um, it's not hard. Um, we in telecoms, sometimes try to convince ourselves that our networks are so different and so specific that we have to do it a little differently. But um, the reality is that the concept and its implementation exist in other industries, and mm. it's only now uh, permeating uh, telecoms. So uh, yes, it is essentially creating a series of configurable uh, connectivity parameters uh, for different use cases. Now, the standards define three main use cases or three main slices. Um, the reality, in all likeliness, is if we do that well as an industry, you won't need three, you'll need hundreds or thousands mm -hmm. of different slices. Mm -hmm. More importantly, you'll need to be able to create those slices on demand. Uh, and I think that's what operators are starting to struggle with, which is, well, in all likeliness, you know, um, Mercedes or Magna know better than their local operator what kind of connectivity they need for their factory. Um, and the reality is that they don't want to buy a connectivity product from the operator that doesn't know really what they need and how that changes over time. What they want is the ability to discover what are the network capacity at any point in time in the geography for a specific need. Mm -hmm. And they want to be able to program it. They want to be able to say, listen, I'm going to connect those 100 robots and they need to have a very deterministic latency. Uh, I don't need them to have low latency, but they need absolutely to have the same latency for all of them. Mm -hmm. Because all those robots, they're collaborative robots, they work in building a car, and they work together. And if I want them to be connected uh, to 5G, I need to make sure that they're not going to clash with each other, which means that they need to be orchestrated and coordinated. And the only way to do that is to make sure that the latency between all the robots in the same area is the same. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be a slice. You right. Know? Can I just ask, um, Patrick, I just ask you a question here. I've, uh, um, do you think 5G is achieving the latency promise it made? I mean, I'm hearing various things that the latency isn't getting down below, I don't know, 10, 15 milliseconds. Uh, I mean, have you any observation on that, or do you think we're just, yeah. we just can't get there? Yeah, so uh, that's another aspect of the things that uh, I'm working on, which is edge computing. 
Mm. Um, and basically, latency in a telecom network is function of mostly of two things. Uh, the first thing is distance. Uh, speed of light is fast, but uh, yeah. <laughs> distance. We've way to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the second thing is how many like routers and intermediary and firewalls you have between like the thing that's giving the order and the thing that is executing, right? Um, and one way to reduce that is to reduce both the distance and the number of uh, intermediaries. Uh, and edge computing is a good example where you can position basically the servers that are doing all the uh, configuration and management and uh, uh, all the control of devices that are nearby. Mm. Now, until now, it was very expensive because it was on-premise. Um, so you would have to have a data room or data center in your factory in order to do that. Um, and people try to do that to do that with cloud. And the problem with cloud is that a distance because you connect to a public cloud, but even if you are in the zone, the distance is not deterministic; it can vary. Uh, and then, like the amount of firewalls uh, uh, and the amount of uh, device basically making made that latency um, very variable sure. and high. Now, if you take that cloud and put it closer geographically, and if you remove a lot of those friction by basically having a dedicated connection between that cloud and that robot, well, that's how you reduce latency. And you can go, I have done deployments of uh, edge computing uh, at Telefonica, for instance, where we observed latency of uh, um, five milliseconds. You know? Okay, so you're getting there. Oh no, I no, I no, I, it may seem like a technical question, but you can see the implication of you know what you just explained there. Um, no, that's really interesting. And do you, do you think the edge computing idea? No, so the edge computing, how much is it maps onto what we consider cloud computing today? Are they going to be specialist servers? Are they going to be sort of general purpose servers? Just distributed in a certain way. What's what you feeling about that, Patrick? It's it depends on your perspective. Uh, if you're a cloud operator or a cloud user, edge computing is just a cloud closer, mm. you know, uh, with better performance. But you can put presumably whatever function, whatever pipeline that you have in the public cloud in that, and it's going to behave a little better. So mm. that's one way to look at it. Um, if you're a network operator, a telecom network operator, uh, edge computing is uh, actually where the telco network meets the cloud network, uh, which means that a lot of the services that are offered by telecom operators today, they're offered on their own network, on their private stack. It can be a cloud, but they're a private cloud. But then now for the first time with edge computing, you can have hybrid services that could be combination of services and workload that are in the public cloud and in the private cloud together. Um, so that's one aspect of it. Uh, another aspect of it is edge computing, because it's closer, it's also smaller, uh, which means that the real estate for that is more expensive. Uh, so it's going to be more expensive to run workload at the edge than to run in the public cloud in California. Yeah, uh, so it's generic. That's right. Service, yeah. uh, and the last consideration uh, is AI. 
Um, and I think we're hearing a lot of noise in the market right now about AI and machine learning uh, and generative AI. And obviously, AI is very um, uh, hungry in computing. Uh, so that's why it works better uh, economically uh, to have it in large data centers uh, and therefore the public cloud. Now, there's part of AI that require like short feedback and low latency. And that's where you, know, you see immediately that edge computing can require uh, some AI capabilities. Um, and you know, we were talking about the RIC, that's a perfect example, in the sense that a lot of, uh, so we said the RIC uh, allows to do slicing mm-hmm. um, by creating those connectivity products. Another thing that the RIC allows to do is to take the data from the radio network and process it. Mm-hmm. Uh, process it to know the topology of the network, to understand uh, the performance, to understand uh, in real time, you know, um, the different interference um, and to apply techniques to optimize uh, the traffic and to optimize the spectrum. Now, that is based on AIML or at least in, on algorithms. Um, mm-hmm. And some of it, uh, for representation purpose, doesn't need real time and it can be done on a public cloud. But some of it, uh, like, you know, sophisticated antennas today, uh, they have a technology called beamforming. Uh, so imagine an antenna, and within that antenna, you have 64 little antennas. Mm-hmm. And they're like spots, like light spots, you know. And mm-hmm. you can direct those light spots uh, to a specific user in the street, right? Mm-hmm. It requires a lot of computing to do that in real time. And you don't want the light spot to cross. Sometimes it's beneficial, but sometimes it creates interference. So it requires a lot of computing power to be able to manage that in real time. Um, The reality is networks are very energy hungry and you don't need to have a large antenna radiating all the time at full power Mm. in in most cases, you know? Mm. Uh, In most cases, even if you're in the city center of Dublin, Paris or New York, there are times at four in the morning where there's less people than at four in the afternoon. Mm. Um, and being able in real time to change the power of that antenna and its power consumption, that's one of the big challenges and opportunity for network operators. Um, and, and that's uh, another example of how, you know, edge computing uh, with AI, with uh, RIC uh, can help basically create networks that are smarter and more efficient. Right, so it's Mimo, right? So yeah. no, so listen, so I I wanted you to tease this out the way you're teasing out, Patrick. So really, what you're saying is for a particular application, a particular device, the implications go back into the network. They don't have to be managed, but um, so that a lot of that can be. Pardon my simplistic explanation. Uh, we have the technology to do it. Maybe it's not mature yet, but it's getting there. Um, but that. The RIC probably is the key access point for customers to build their own applications. Now, just before we get into that, you, you have a report coming out on this, um, and maybe we'll give details to the listeners later, So, because you've obviously taught this through. So, I mean, how do you see this? We mentioned Mercedes there, and something like that that's got wide area requirements. 
Yeah. Um, how would how would the networks how would the networks look to uh, customers such as Mercedes for sake of argument? Um, so the networks um, today, by and large, use a lot of static parameters. Mm. So when you put an antenna up, you're going to look at the geography, you're going to look at the buildings that are there, and you're going to tilt it a specific way and angle it a different a specific way, put the power and parameterize it, and that's it. You're not going to touch that antenna for a long time unless you get an alert that there's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, an environment that is making, that's getting more and more um, noisy from an interference standpoint. Um, also an environment where you can have construction that coming up with different reflective materials, etc. You can you cannot no longer run networks with static parameters like that. Um, now you can spend a lot of time trying to observe what's happening and react to it. But the reality is that when you have thousands of uh, sites um, and you have different type of devices with different needs, that's no longer something that can be done uh, on a human scale. Mm -hmm. uh, so humans need to be assisted basically by an intelligence that's able to analyze all the data feed and recommend, and in some cases even proactively change settings themselves. But at the first step, I think at least recommend how to optimize the network to meet the needs in real time. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's that's really interesting. So, I mean, it's, it's, you can just sort of see how, in the future, um, giving the customers that ability, especially network on demand, I suppose, in a certain way, you might yeah. think. I, I don't know if that's a phrase I just made up, or you probably use it already. <laughs> we'll, we'll copyright it. We'll use it. <laughs> uh, well, well, I mean, a lot of people are talking about network as a service, but that's what it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, you get it. So, so it's really fascinating. Um, do you just a sort of general question? Do you think um, is this going to be like customer driven or network driven? Like I, I know there's a bit of both sides have to see the vision and go for it. Um, it do you see any customers or you know or at the moment who are sort of looking for this sort of service? What, what's your feeling about that? When you say customers, you mean enterprise and uh, yeah, and the, sorry, the enterprise or... side, yeah, yeah, so yeah. the mobile operators, yeah. Um, so here in North America, there's something really interesting that's happening is like the U.S. Uh, government. Uh, until now, until recently, had, let's say, preference for type of technologies. Uh, but now it's become policy. So they're pushing open run. Uh, they're pushing read and run intelligence uh, because it's part of how they want the networks of the future to evolve. Mm -hmm. And it's about strategy for the US government in terms of basically having the right ecosystem uh, in, the, in North America to be able to satisfy their need. Uh, so uh, you're saying uh, the defense department, uh, the military, but also local governments like police and first responders more and more using or pushing for their services. And in many cases, because the traditional uh, network operator cannot yet provide them with what they need, they go and they 
uh, actually create private networks ad hoc for their own needs, you know. Um, mm. So that's a good uh, signal that this is happening. But it's not only a U.S. thing. Uh, we see it in a lot of different markets and countries. Um, and we see particularly um, the industries of uh, uh, healthcare, hospitals, uh, public venues like stadiums, uh, construction uh, and mining industries, uh, harbor uh, uh, ports, authorities, and uh, um, airports that are increasingly deploying private networks with the attributes and characteristics that I mentioned because commercial networks don't satisfy their needs. Mm, yeah, you see each of those, sir, each of those physical and um, shall we say, uh, mechanically uh, diverse networks would have different propagation yep. uh, transit uh, latency requirements. You can absolutely see that's an issue. That's, no, that's great, Patrick. So uh, you uh, are producing a report in this area. What's what's your plan about the report? Uh, so I just released it last, uh, last month. It's called uh, Open Run uh, Rick and Apps, uh, which is basically a report on uh, run intelligence. Uh, where I surveyed uh, basically the state uh, of the art in terms of the technology. Uh, I provide my opinion in terms of where I see uh, the market trends are going to lead us. Mm -hmm. uh, and I reviewed the main vendors in the space. And okay. uh, the report is complemented with the workshop uh, where I go into more details in terms of uh, what I feel are the main attributes that are necessary to be successful in that space and what are the main strategies from the main operators and the main vendors in the space. Okay, that's really interesting. And people can get you at your website, coreanalysis.ca, right? That's correct, yes. Yeah, well, I, I, like I said, I've known Patrick for a long time and you won't find a, a better expert in the in the industry. So I'm also a man who says what he thinks, in fairness. Um so it was great talking to you again. And listen, I just found that really so educational, Patrick. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you, Patty. And uh, I hope uh, we'll get to do it in person uh, one of these days back in yeah, Barcelona, probably. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so uh, in the podcast, you get to nominate the playout song. So I, I know I surprised you a bit at the beginning. All right. <laughs> you have to think of a song pretty quick and not make one that you're going to be embarrassed with in the future. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, um, Sorry, Patrick. Before you that, start, do, 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 you yeah. listen to, do, you, do you listen to music across different? Yeah, absolutely. Very eclectic. Very eclectic. Uh, so I I listen to a fair bit of classical, um, a lot of uh, like traditional rock, uh, like old school R and B, mm -hmm. and uh, and then like French aggressive hip hop. <laughs> I was going to say we're together so far, but I, yeah, I lost you just at that last point. <laughs> um, I'll I'll pick a I'll pick a song that will horrify you because you're from Dublin. It's going to be from YouTube, <laughs> and it's going to be one. It's one. Uh, it's one that's uh, it stays on my playlist uh, all the time. One by you too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay, look, I think you did that just to make me feel happy, Patrick. But uh, that makes that makes you get back on the podcast at some stage. Happy days. Well, uh, listen, maybe we can find a way to do it in person in Dublin around the Six Nations, and uh, uh, that could be a good opportunity. 
All right, man. Great to talk to you. All right, same here. Take care. Is it getting better? Or do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you now? You got someone to blame. You're saying, one love, one life. When it's one need in the night, one love, we get to share it. Leaves you, baby. Go without